Welcome to the Pop on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is. First off, Bunny, my eyes are up here. Okay? Oh, yeah. My eyes are up here. I don't like being like this, all right? So, just want to make that clear. I know I'm hot, but please, eyes up front. Uh, yes, I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. I uh, posted a picture of me in this uh, wonderful uh, black dress and uh, on Twitter. And I said that I still have a hard time sharing this part of me with people. And one person said, and it made me feel a lot better. Uh, they wrote, Steve, you're the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. It would be weird if you didn't do this. This is true. So that, this is very true. That brought some happiness to me. So uh, this is episode 401 of our yes. crazy film podcast 401 the official number don't question it anywho um this week we have a movie and uh we haven't gotten to the actual podcast yet this is like the special part before the podcast starts uh i would like to talk about this week's movie choice if i may i I picked it blind we knew who made it but um some movies we watch Some of the movies that we watch, when I go into it blind, I go, hey, this was a pretty good movie. I thought it'd be a good episode of the podcast, but as it turns out, it was an actual good movie. And now this is one that I'm going to hold on to. And I am going to uh, put it on my computer, put it on the hard drive, on the TV. And every once in a while... I'll just be laying on the couch and I finally got the kids to bed and ah, screw it. I'm going to watch VHS. Okay. Yes. Because this was just a wonderful movie. We did it for the podcast and now I'm keeping it and it's staying with me. And then every once in a while, not as much as I would imagine, but every, not as much as you would think, but every once in a while we'll do a movie that I just can't wait to delete from my computer and never see again. (laughs) <laughs> this week's film is the latter and i cannot wait to just wipe this off of all of my systems anyway we've got a good show we've yeah, got no, I, um, I, I immediately save all movies to the plex server because it just makes it so much easier to watch so once yeah. i have a movie i have it and that's it it would take additional work for me to remove it from my computer and it's not worth it yeah well uh i'm i'm really excited about this week's episode of the podcast we are going to be talking about um tom cruise's edge of tomorrow we're going to be talking a lot about neil green later we're going to be talking about africa Mike Pence, Kenny Rogers Roasters. Mike fucking Pence. I swear. Is he in the same forest that Hillary was in? 
I mean, he I, is just gone. He disappeared. He disappeared. Are we, are we sure Mike Pence ever really actually existed? Mike Pence disappeared quicker than uh, Kaiser Soze. Yes. The end of that movie, he just, poof, he's gone. So excited for this episode of the podcast. Let's get her started. Bunny! Yes! It's time for everyone's favorite game show. Where in the world is SNL's Joe Piscopo? It's difficult to do that because let me let me let me explain it. I am parroting the PBS kids game show Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? And they had a theme song sung by an a cappella group. Yes. And the theme song went, Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? But Diego, but it's not Piscopo, it's Piscopo. Yes. So it's difficult to, but still, I stand by what I just said. Yes, we are starting the podcast talking about Joe Piscopo. What a ratings grabber. I, uh, yeah, yes. Millions of people are Googling right now trying to find out who the fuck Joe Piscopo is. Don't you Google me, Johnny. My brother Googled me once. Once. <laughs> Johnny Dangerously is an underrated film. Yes, it is. What a great movie. So, uh, to be fair, Joe Piscopo has become a bit of a punchline, and, and I don't think that's entirely fair. I was trying to think of, like, uh, positive things about Joe Piscopo. Uh, number one, he was in Johnny Dangerously, which is a really good film. Uh, and secondly, in 1986, Brian De Palma made a mafia comedy? Yes. And my parents took me to. I was like nine. I was like eight or nine. But it was a movie called Wise Guys starring Danny DeVito with hair and Joe Piscopo. And I remember really loving that kid as a film. I remember loving that film as a kid. It had Harvey Keitel and Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. And... Joe Piscopo and Danny DeVito, and it was a Brian De Palma film that now he hates. But it was a cute movie. Anyway, Joe Piscopo, I was wondering what he was doing, and so I went looking for him. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you know. Yeah. But uh, number, he's got a website, JoePiscopo.com. Uh, surprised that that was available. Uh, it, it, first off, it's a bit sad to see him basically touring as a Frank Sinatra impersonator. Yes. That's kind of sad. I don't think that, uh, Eddie Murphy is still doing buckwheat at every show he does, but... Probably not, uh, I'm guessing. Probably not. Probably not. Um, but, but, you know... But Joe Pist... Buckwheat is a little bit different than Frank Sinatra, you know? Like, if, if Eddie Murphy were to bust out with some buckwheat, 
I would kind of appreciate that in a nostalgic kind of a way. But being an impersonator, but being an impersonator of someone who I would not bother going to see the actual living person. That's a tough sell. That's a tough impersonation to sell. To be fair to Joe Piscopo, uh, Frank Sinatra has said that Joe Piscopo's impersonation was his preferred impersonation. Yes. So, uh, but which Joe Piscopo's... Which kind of tells me you're not doing it right then. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean... I mean we didn't like Alec Baldwin because Trump approved of his impersonation. Yeah. We liked yeah. Alec Baldwin in spite of, well, in spite of first Alec Baldwin and second, in spite of Trump liking it. Yes. So Frank Sinatra was alive when Joe Piscopo was making fun of Frank Sinatra on Saturday Night Live. And so he would be like, hey, Joe, it's me, Frank Sinatra. I loved you on SNL last weekend. Why don't you come by the Copa? I'm over here right now. And and so, like, they would party together because Frank Sinatra loved his impersonation so much that they would, like, hang out all the time. And apparently it went to Joe The way it was explained in the Saturday Night Live book that I read, Eddie Murphy's success went to Joe Piscopo's head. Yes. And they would say like, okay, so we're going to do this skit. Okay, so it's going to be Frank Sinatra and drag. So Joe, put on this dress. And he'd go, oh, Frank wouldn't approve of that. And it's like, well, it's a good job. You're not fucking Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, for shit's sake. Goddamn. So, um, so yeah, Joe Piscopo is about to be 70 years old. And surprise, surprise, he's pretty far right nowadays. Oh, yeah. Who would have thunk it? Such a shockeroonie. He regularly appears on Fox News. A week ago, he was on there attacking Bill de Blasio about removing Columbus Day from the school calendar. <laughs> like, who's out here defending Columbus in 2021? Apparently, Joe Piscopo is. And also, a few days ago, he was on Fox News again attacking Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And as far as I can tell, another pretty sad thing about Joe Piscopo, apparently Fox News is saying, get me a Republican comedian. Oh, and all we can get is Joe Piscopo? All right, then. That's that's pretty sad. Yeah. Get me a left-wing comedian. Okay, well, we've got the top comedians lined up here. Get me a right-wing comedian. Okay, we've got... Um, Joe Piscopo, and that guy with the racist puppets. Yes. Boldorum or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure Dennis Miller is still out there somewhere. You know. That's right, Dennis Miller. Dennis, and, fucking and Dennis Miller. I'm surprised more people are not going to Victoria Jackson for hard-biting, insightful commentary. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but when it comes yeah. to Joe Piscopo, it's Joe fucking Piscopo. You know what I mean? Like, like, 
if if Joe Piscopo was a liberal, he'd still be a fucking idiot. Yes. Yes, that's that's an important thing to say. And I still wouldn't care what he has to say. Yeah. Also, on May 10th, Mike Lindell, you know, the pillow guy, he had a rally uh, at Mitchell's Corn Palace in South Dakota. One of America's best shitty tourist attractions, right next to the thing, Mystery of the Desert in southeastern Arizona. So Mike Lindell's rally, it had about 1,500 attendees. Mike Lindell, of course, being Mike Lindell, promised over 30,000 attendees, which is pretty odd because the Corn Palace can only see 3,200. But as we all know, the right doesn't do facts anymore. No. So uh, Joe Piscopo was there to provide entertainment, and that alone is sad. But at one point, his mic stopped working, which was probably due to technical problems. The Corn Palace was built in 1892. I don't think it has the world's best sound equipment. Yes. But Joe Piscopo blamed it on obvious Chinese interference. So, did he really? Yeah, before half-assed muttering, oh, we're not racists. Which is, of course, what racists say. Yes. So it's quite sad to see Joe Piscopo fall, but then again, you can't fall if you were never successful to begin with. Uh, Correct. So, uh, it's sad to see Joe Piscopo fall farther, I guess, would be the official way to say it. One small credit that I do need to give him that you you left out. You did do Johnny Dangerously, but we got to give some love for Dead Heat. Oh, I totally forgot about Dead Heat. Dead Heat. This is, this is when he was in his working out phase. Yeah. Dead heat. Jesus. Yeah. So that's where Joe Piscopo is. It's pretty sad. And that's all I got for but, that. So. But anything, anything is an improvement from his, I'm from Jersey. You from Jersey? I'm from Jersey character. Yes. Whatever the fuck yes. that was. Yes. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So that's it on Joe Piscopo. I've spent more time than I would like to admit on Joe Piscopo. So that's it for George, for Joe Piscopo. We pretty and, much uh, spent more time on Joe Piscopo than right anyone here than his career has spent on Joe Piscopo. Yeah, exactly. So cut on that. Money! Yes! It's important to keep up with the news. It's just sometimes difficult to keep up with the news when four years of a mad emperor king has made us all hate the word news. News truly is a four-letter word right now. But have no fear, because we are here to illuminate the news you may have missed with the Pope on Film News Smatterings. Yes, we are going to smatter all over you. Yes, we are. 
So, on January 6th, a mob of violent Trump supporters stormed the Capitol and people died. Now, Democrats want an investigation, and surprise, surprise, the party that held 32 hearings, seven congressional investigations, and published 11 different reports. God damn it, Dreyer. I'm recording a fucking podcast. I'm going to do that again. Surprise, surprise, the party that held 32 hearings, seven congressional investigations, and published 11 different reports on the Benghazi attack that killed four people now don't want any investigations into the January 6th attack that killed five people. And here's the kicker. One of the Republicans who opposes the investigation is Indiana State Representative Greg Pence. Okay. Older brother of Mike Pence the former vice president that the insurrectionists were literally hoping to murder. Yes. That's going to be a difficult Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, it is. Built a gallows for him. Yeah. They built a gallows. As most tourists will. Yeah. They built a gallows for Greg Pence, and now... Uh, I'm really excited over the prospect of Thanksgiving dinner at the Pence family. Yeah. It's like, oh, what did what? So let's go around the room and talk about what we did this year that we're thankful for. I'll go first. Ah, my name is Mike, and I am happy that the insurrectionists didn't kill me, and I'm really happy. That there's going to be an investigation into all the people that tried to kill me. What about you, Greg? What did you do mm-hmm. this year? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was I, one. But see, I know here being being in Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs does have quite a few different tourist attractions, things like that. Uh, Garden of the Gods, which is huge, just red sandstone. You know, like the whole fucking thing. And, you know, we'll go there occasionally and and build a gallows. There's also the Cave of the Winds, you know, a really nice touristy place, kind of like Howe Cavern, you know, where you see the crystallization and things like that. And, you know, if we go there, me and Jeannie, we're going to build the gallows. You know, there's also the the Indian cliff dwellings, you know, where where they literally carved their homes into the sides of the mountains. And, you know, we, we, we built a gallows there. So, you know, I mean, that, that's just what tourists do. I always wanted to build a gallows at Casa Bonita. Yes. One of these days. And uh, you guys are getting a Meow Wolf soon. So. Are we? Yeah. Uh, in Denver. They're getting a Meow Wolf. Very excited Casa about Casa Bonita that. is bankrupt. What? Hearing from Jeannie. What? How uh, dare you, Jeannie? Since since you first told me about Casa Bonita, I, I have heard nothing good about this place. Rat and roach infested, and everything else. And yes, now bankrupt. Damn it! I want to go to Casa Bonita. I need to go into the the pirates' cave. And find the treasure and see the cliff divers and get sopapillas. Eleanor's hanging, uh, hiding behind you. Say hi. 
Okay. So uh, Greg Pence uh, <laughs> voted against the uh, investigation into Mike Pence's attempted murder. So that was one story. Now here's a second story. Did you know that human glass of milk Mike Pence had a brother? No. That's the big news, I think. Older brother Greg Pence. You should bing Greg Pence, because I have a lot of theories about Greg Pence. Okay, he looks like if Mike Pence had a baby with Fraser Crane's former cop dad. Okay. That's what what Greg Pence looks like. Greg Pence looks like Mike Pence with a peanut allergy. <laughs> Greg Pence just looks like a less gay Mike Pence. Okay. Greg Pence looks like he has a face that says, please don't look at my browser history. <laughs> That's Greg Pence. Really excited to think that, like, that, like, at some point in time, Greg Pence went like this. <gasps> oh, I made you flinch, Mike. I made you <laughs> flinch. Now go clean my room, you know? In other news, do you remember Chris Angel? Uh, yeah, he hasn't gone anywhere exactly anywhere, has he? Isn't he like still existing? Uh, he, yeah, he still exists. Chris with no H and two S's. He was the cool hot topic uh, magician who starred in the show Mind Freak, which apparently lasted six seasons in 2005. Well, things are sure doing good for Chris Angel. He's working on opening a fast, fast casual restaurant that he will be calling, wait for it, Pause for effect. Cabble. What? Cabble. Cabble. Which stands? Cabble. Which stands for Chris Angel's breakfast, lunch, and pizza. Cabble. The restaurant will be called Cabble. Okay. Yeah. And wow. And wow, with a catchy name like Cabble, this restaurant is definitely destined to be around for a long time, like Sambo's and Kenny Rogers Roasters. I just know that Chris Angel can outrun Bigfoot in a helicopter. I just hope that this lasts longer than uh, David Blaine's Euros. <laughs> Hopefully it lasts longer than that. Uh, I miss Blackstone. David Blaine, isn't he, like, still trapped in ice somewhere? Probably. Uh, to be fair, I, I, I want to be fair. Kenny Rogers Roasters, Kenny Rogers had a chicken franchise of restaurants. Yes. It was the best chicken in the goddamn world. It melted in your mouth. Yeah. It melted in your mouth. It was so damn good. Oh, miss that. I miss that chicken. I miss that chicken. That was good. And finally, I would like to talk about Morrissey. 
Morrissey. Uh, Poor Morrissey. Honey. Hasn't he been yeah. through enough lately? Oh, Jesus. The Simpsons no. were mean to him. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Morrissey. Uh, people love him. He was the lead singer of the Smiths. For reasons I will Beaferoni. never ever understand, they Beaferoni. freaking worship him as a god in Mexico. Really? Morrissey? I never understood why, but in Mexican culture, they fucking love him. 100% in Mexico, Morrissey is basically like a saint. In Mexico, I never, I, I don't, I personally don't get that, but I'm like a Mexican and not a Mex, Mex, I can. Yeah. But there's a scene about it in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Where they give the, the stupid criminals some truth serum, and then the Mexican guy's talking like crazy, and someone brings up Morrissey, and he starts talking about how his abuelita had a restaurant, and there was a jukebox at the restaurant, and it was all Morrissey. And they call him the Maz in, in Mexico because uh, Latinos really uh, uh, follow his, love him and his soulful music. And yeah, he goes off on a rant about how Mexicans love Morrissey in the Ant-Man movie. And I always point to that saying, see, they do. I don't know why, but Mexicans love Morrissey. Anyway, uh, recently the Simpsons parodied Morrissey as a racist British singer named Quillaby, and people are still up in arms about that. And Morrissey's all pissed about it, and how dare you attack Morrissey? But I would like to take this time to uh, read a little bit, to give everyone a little bit of uh, context. I would like to read a 1986 interview that Morrissey had. I've got it right here, and uh, I will be... This is all a direct quote. I will now be quoting an actual article with actual Morrissey, and these are actual things in 1986 that he actually said. Quote, reggae, for example, is to me the most racist music in the entire world. It's an absolute total glorification of black supremacy. There is a line when defense of one's race becomes an attack on another race. And because of black history and oppression, we realize quite clearly that there has to be a strong defense. But I think it will become extreme sometimes. But ultimately, I don't have very cast iron opinions on black music other than black modern music, which I detest. I detest Stevie Wonder. I think Diana Ross is awful. I hate all those records. Records in the top 40. Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston. I think they're vile in the extreme. In essence, this music doesn't say anything whatsoever. I don't think there's any time anymore to be subtle about anything. You have to get straight to the point. Obviously, to get on top of the pops these days, one has to be by law black. I think something political has occurred among Michael Hurl and his friends, and there has to be a hefty pushing of all these black artists and all this disco-fied nonsense into the top 40. I think as a result, 
that very aware younger groups that speak for now are being gagged. And the interviewer says, you seem to be saying that you believe there is some sort of black pop conspiracy being organized to keep white indie groups down. And Morrissey says, yes, I really do. Okay. So fuck Morrissey. Morrissey yeah. can kiss my black ass. He is a son of a bitch, and what the Simpsons did to him is one fraction of the things that he deserves. <laughs> Good. Good. Just want to take time to say. I I, I that, only uh, know Morrissey in one context, so yeah. I, I do not much care what happens to him. I only know him in context with Beefaroni. Like, that's it. Beefaroni? I love like, that video it. so much. I love that video so much. Yeah. But also, the top news is, I look great in this dress. I'm wearing a dress right now, if you're listening on SoundCloud or any other uh, podcasting device. You're missing <laughs> me in a wonderful black dress. I dressed all glam. Show it off. Work it. I dressed all glam. Because uh, this week's movie is about the 1%, so I thought I'd really go all out with it, you know? So I've got a nice little black dress on, and I've got boobs, and I'm happy about that because they're just towels. So if I make a mess, I can just whoosh. I got two yes. towels right yes. here. Yes. So yes. that's the real story. And also, screw Morrissey. The, the so, tube socks are a nice touch, I thought, though. Thank you. So that's it for Steve's historical for Steve's historical for uh, uh, the Pope on Film news smatterings this week. There will be more news smatterings whenever I get around to it. And cut on that, Bunny. Yes, we still have uh, a whole show to get to. We have uh, 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 Bunny versus everyone's favorite podcast segment coming up. We have Steve's historical approximations, take two. We have a movie to discuss. Uh, sadly, unfortunately, uh, we have to get to a movie eventually. Ugh. Ugh. Hashtag <laughs> girl boss, am I right? Hashtag <laughs> slay. Uh, and I know exactly, I can tell you 100% why this movie was created and why it looks the way that it does. And it all has to do with politics and the media. And we'll get to that. But before we get to any of that, um, uh, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should probably, uh, I'm thinking, maybe yeah, we, we should take a break. All right. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 skitty pop a doo wow and break.
Mass put on the lion skin and went bouncing around the forest merrily. Scaring the foolish beasts by brooks and by rocks. Till at last, he tried to scare Bob. But Bob, hearing from beneath the main, that raucous voice, so petulant, so vain. Oh, ass, Bob too run away. But that Bob knows your old familiar prayer. That's just the way that's is. That's just. Hello, everybody. It's me, Reverend Steve. I am nervous because I'm going to drink a 41-year-old beverage that might kill me. There was a TV show called Dallas. Dallas was a soap opera that originally premiered in April of 1978 as a miniseries. But the miniseries was so popular that in September of 1978, they decided to turn it into a short one-season TV show. It became so popular that it ran from 1978 to 1991. One character, uh, Bobby Ewing, was killed off, but he was so popular that they decided to make his death a three. Really stupid. And then, of course, the, the main character was sort of the, the patriarch of the family. His name was J.R. Ewing. In the 1980s, they made a beer. Premium beer. J.R. Ewing's Private Stock came out in the year 1980. And it says on the bottom here, if you have to ask how much my beer costs, you probably can't afford it. I purchased very cheaply a six-pack of this. One had a hole in it, and it was empty, but the other five were still open and sealed, and so I put this in the fridge for a while, and I'm going to drink it. Surprisingly, I posted about this on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, I've got this 41-year-old beer. Who wants to see me try it? And the answer was a big, resounding, no, are you serious? You could die which I wasn't expecting from Twitter, but I basically got shamed. And uh, so I'm going to open this. This is weird. Do you see this? How, how do I? Ooh, look at that. That's the weirdest. Huh? Yeah, it's like V8. Okay. So, um, all right. No, I didn't shake it. I'm going to drink a 41-year-old beer now, so Pinky's up for the classy stuff. So, okay. Hmm. First off, it tastes dusty. It might be a little dust on the bottom. But when you get past that, okay, so you know when when you're like young, when you're like in your 20s, and you're like, I'm going to go get beer. 
the cheapest beer imaginable. Okay, so so there's like there's like cheap beer that will burn your mouth because it's horrible, and then there's cheap beer where it's like Mickey's. Eh, that's what this is. This isn't bad, but it's also not good. It 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 tastes all right. It's all right. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. It tastes cheap. It doesn't taste as uh, as uh, premium as J.R. Ewing from the hit show Dallas. But no, this is all right. This is pretty good. I wouldn't recommend it, but. Yeah, this isn't that bad. It's cheap and dusty, but I've I've drank cheap and dusty beer before. You know, go into some sketchy convenience store, and they have a ninety-eight cent uh, pint of some beer you've never heard of before, and you buy that. That's what this tastes like. Uh. Not that bad. Not that bad. It's alright. This is a weird video, but hey, thanks for watching. And if you're watching this during the podcast, hey, break time. Buddy and I are peeing. I had some crazy nicknames back in the 70s, but all those friends died in the 80s. by your window so I can see you. You spend a million miles away. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not allowed to have windows uh, toward Oregon. So, um, I'm kind of fucked. Uh, it's not just Darth Vader. Was the last night you had? Was it today?
Okay, Funky, you're freaking me out, but for some reason I'm also going to be very attractive. So, uh, how about you and me do girlhood and boyhood, you know? in the sunset, long walks on the pavement, and hiding in shoes, and I'm looking for a special female, and girl, not everyone sees you the way I do, so let me look deep inside, all eight of your beautiful eyes, and I don't see human like other people do, I see a glorious spider baby, yeah, so I want to let you know. I play spider with you all night long. Shimmy here, up next to me, and do that stanky spider dance you do. So shake that sephora thorax and your abdomen do. Ah, girl. Come on, come on, be my spider baby. Yeah. Be my spider baby. Come on, come on, be my baby. Yeah. Yeah. One more time. And I know how it is when a male spider tries to show you what he's made of. And I gotta let you know, I don't mind dying for just one night of sweet spider love. If that's what it takes to get near your girl. A hungry female may consume any invertebrate that comes along, including her suitors. But baby, but baby, I don't mind. Because you're truly worthy. You're worth it, baby. My pedipals are palpitating, circulating. I could be perspirating, but I can't because I got an ectoskeleton. But that don't matter, nah. So let me be your daddy, baby. Hopelessly tangled up in your silky web. Let me kiss your fangs before you jump off my head. Yeah. Species. Females eat the males after sweet, sweet love. But I don't mind. Nah. You see, I got eight boots on my legs for knocking. I notice you do too. Spider baby rocking all night long. You see, even spider love is blind. Come on. Ooh. Come on. 
Invade your space. Get Concrobium Mold Control. As it dries, only Concrobium crushes mold and mildew at its roots, leaving an invisible antimicrobial shield so it won't grow back. It's odorless, too. For the safe way to defend your home from mold and mildew, Concrobium. And don't forget to protect against musty odors and moisture damage with Concrobium Moisture Grabbers. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. With more of the Pope on film. Funny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting, pulse pounding, heart stopping, edge of your seat thrill ride? That is Bunny versus. America's favorite podcast segment. Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are, are you pumped up? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you ready to do it? Yeah, no, after that break, I think I need another, after that opening, I need another break. I think that just took it all out of me right there. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to do it anyway. So, <laughs> nana nana boo boo. Um, uh, without any further ado, it's time for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. I, I, I don't know. 
funny. I don't know anymore. I don't know. Okay. Tourists. Are you, are you good? They were all tourists. Yeah, they were all tourists. Okay. They were. They were just all tourists. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens when the capital, the capital souvenir shop, runs out of commemorative spoons, motherfucker. Yeah. You're out of. Well, I'm just gonna go shit in this hallway then. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, the world is insane. How are you? Yeah. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I got a new dress. Yes, you have. Because everyone needs a black dress. It's ju- it just sucks that women aren't allowed pockets. Yes. I actually found a purse online that I would absolutely love, and it would be a purse that I could carry around as a, a, a in in drag, but also as a man. Because just imagine um, the Infinity Gauntlet, but it's a purse and it's got a strap on it. Okay. But it can, but it, but you zip instead of a glove, you just unzip it and you can put a, fo- a phone in there or a wallet. And, and it was an infinity gauntlet purse that, that one company made for a small period in time and then they stopped making it. And that sucks because that was going to be my purse. I, I would think more like we're made to stop making it. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Is more they didn't even call it Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> it was like Magic Glove Purse or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm upset that they don't make it anymore. Um, so this Bunny Versus and the upcoming Steve's Historic Approximation Shap um, are kind of sort of repeats. Kind of sort of. Because last week there were some sound problems that cut out during Bunny Verses and then came back on halfway through Shap. So I'm doing Bunny Verses again and I'm doing Shap again. Yeah, the, the, uh, so I, this, I need a new motherboard. The sound on this thing is is going is just a continuing pain in the ass. And on top of it... Yeah. I, See, I don't know if you've noticed, because I don't know if it's actually recording this way or if it's just how I hear it, but the sound is always, like, cutting up and down. Like, That's a weird. lot. You know? And it's like, it's, yeah. if I'm, you know, if I'm watching videos on YouTube or anything else, this is happening. So, like, when it's happening during the show and I'm editing... Because the waveform always looks normal. The waveform doesn't look like it's dropping up and down. So I yeah. don't know if it's actually going out or recording that way. Because that's just how I hear everything. Yeah. So I have like absolutely no way of diagnosing if that's just how I'm hearing it. Or if that's how it's actually recording or not. Yeah. Well, this week was one of the easiest podcasts to write because I didn't have to write anything of Act 2. Yes. Because Act 2 is just a repeat of last week that we're doing again because of the sound problems. 
And so um, this week, so SHAP is usually the part you ask me how I'm doing and I talk about how my week has been. My week has been nothing because it's been lightly raining all week. Not a lot of rain, but just enough so that these kids can't go out to play. Yeah. So we all just, it's it's been like Seattle all week. And apparently next week it's going to be like that too. Oh, it's going to be raining, 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 nothing but rain. And it just sucks because we're in summer. We're in summer. And so this is supposed to be the fun, go out and play time, go to the parks that are, that have now been reopened, but everything is muddy and gross outside. And then it's still like 79 degrees. So it's hot and sticky. It's muggy outside and it's gross. So I have very little to talk about. I almost went to the movies this week. I might this upcoming week. I really want to see the new Saw movie that just came out. Uh, starring Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. And I haven't had it spoiled yet. And that was a fun summer that we did the summer of Saw, where we did all the Saw movies and a few other Saw adjacent films. But that was a bunch of fun. And I really want to see this new one. Um, so I might go to the movies this week. Yeah. Again, so though, it's, that's not just a movie that uh, it's not necessarily a theater movie to me. You know what I mean? Like, Jeannie and I kind of kicked around a little, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll get out. Maybe we'll do dinner and a movie again, finally. Thank God, you know, because I am well vaccinated now. Like, like I'm a month past my second vaccination and Jeannie's even longer, you know. Yeah. But like this, this, you know, we have to wait for Hollywood to kind of start up again. There's absolutely nothing going yes. on out there that, that. But I want to watch. Yeah. I don't want to pay to watch it. Yeah, there's nothing worth going into the movie for. I do not have very high hopes for Dune. You know, I got a little yeah. excited finding out that Dave Batista was in it, and I yeah. immediately cast him in a part in my head, and. He's not playing that part, so fuck Dune. You know? Yeah. They need to call me, and they need to let me know first. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't do that. Very rude of them. But I don't see him being the Beast Raban getting very much screen time or giving him much of a stretch of character. Yeah. Or I think he would have made a better Stilgar. So, so I, I, so I don't have a lot to talk about this week. But last week I had a lot to talk about, and you couldn't hear it. So I want to say it again. So um, I, I have a new, uh, very close uh, friend that I adore, and I met her online, and her name is Laura, and I wanted to talk about Laura. Hi, Laura. She's out there. She's watching. I saw her on break. Hi. Yay. Um, So, Laura, she lives in Las Vegas. And I met her on Discord, which is weird because I'm I'm usually, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I'm not a Discord guy. My wife is on Discord all the time. She has a writing groups. And she is helping to get a, uh, my wife is working part-time 
to try and get a LGBTQ friendly uh, fan fiction centered small print press off the ground. My wife is. Okay. So my wife has a, my wife has a discord for that, too, where she helps with authors and stuff like that. So so my wife is always on discord. I'm never on discord, but I, I got on discord and I met someone and we started talking. And the more we talked, the more uh, I learn about Laura and how sh- cool she is. She's one of the coolest people I know. And uh, the little bits of things we have in common and serendipity and all that. She's awesome. For starters, uh, she is a poet and she was going to have a book of poetry published, but then the publisher died of COVID, which sucks. But she let yeah. me read her, her book of poetry and it was amazing and I absolutely loved it. Uh, she used to be a roller derby girl and I really like roller derby. I was really oh, into yeah, roller yeah. Really into roller derby. I'm a, just a big fan of skates. I was I I would wear skates just constantly as a child. I had yeah. roller skates. Couldn't take me off of those. Loved my roller skates. She once played chess with Crispin Glover. Really? Oh, yeah. She's, well, you, you you know how I feel about Crispin Glover. She's my hero right there. Yeah, yeah. Just that alone is fucking amazing. Crispin Glover. And uh, and she went to Bridget the Midget's wedding, which is a big deal for me. Not because I'm a huge fan of her midget pornography. <laughs> of course not. That would make me a weirdo. <laughs> she went to, but but she was friends with someone in high school who ended up marrying Bridget the Midget and went to Bridget the Midget's wedding. And I wanted to ask her, oh, was that the person that Bridget the Midget was on TMZ for stabbing in an apparent domestic dispute? But I'm not going to ask her that because suddenly I seem like the world's biggest Bridget the Midget aficionado, which I am not. No, 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 you're not. And I need to jump to my to your defense because you are just a man who has your fingers on the pulse of everything American culture. Yes. Yes. I believe we may have done a shap about Bridget the Midget. I'm not sure. We've done so many approximations. It's possible. We've definitely discussed her. I'm taking off these boobs. Ugh. Dress is so much lighter now. Oh. If not her specifically, midget porn at least. Yes, as a as a broader concept. Yeah, but Laura, I've been talking to her a lot. She's amazing, and I absolutely adore her. Cool. Just adore talking to her and getting to know her, and she is amazing. And so, yeah, so that's that. Hopefully I will be going to Vegas soon because, God damn it, I, it is disgraceful that I have yet to visit the Pinball Hall of Fame and Museum. This is true. This is Which true. they moved, they had a venue, and then they moved the venue to a bigger venue, and then it was such a success there that they've moved it a third time, and now it's 
uh, on the Vegas Strip, right by the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. Really? Yeah. So, so it, it's it, it's it's a main centerpiece of Vegas now. That, and that, yeah. It's it is it is shocking that I have not been there. Yeah. The last time I went to Vegas was like was was back in the day when it was like, hey, Vegas. Uh, Vegas is doing bad business and no one's coming to Vegas anymore. What should we do? Well, you know what's popular right now? Uh, Family-friendly tourist attractions. Hey! Vegas is clean for kids now! Look at all of these attractions. Kid-friendly. Bring your children. Theme parks, water parks, wet and wild on the strip. And and look at these uh, adventure dome theme parks. Every we love children. And then that wasn't that much of a success, which is why they went from "Hey, we're family friendly Vegas" to "Look, you want to fuck a prostitute, do some cocaine, get totally shit faced. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's right. We're back to being adult friendly now." Please don't bring your fucking kids. <laughs> and that's where they are right now. Yeah. They went back. So I the last time I went to Vegas was back when it was still a bit family friendly. Hey, let's go see the volcano. Let's go see the pirate show outside of the pirate place. Hey, let's let's go to the the last time I went there was when I saw the when the world of Coca-Cola Museum was still there. <laughs> and that was a long time ago, but I need to go back to Vegas. I don't know. I think, you know, I mean, also, Vegas, it's been talked about endlessly about with comparisons between Vegas and Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I think it's yeah. time that Vegas grab hold of that ball and run with it. You know? In fact, originally it wasn't Sodom and Gomorrah. It was Sodom and Gomorrah and also pea stuff. Yes. But they took the pea stuff out to <laughs> clean up the Bible so that it was Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, their, their Vegas's new slogan, if I, may, if I may suggest, a donkey show on every corner. Vegas's new slogan is Vegas. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. I Fuck like it. That. Vegas. Billboards everywhere. Yeah. Yes. I just adore Laura. No one to talk about her. So shout out to Laura. <laughs> Laura. There you go. Okay. We do actual shout outs here. So, you know. Chalk one up. Done one in a yeah. really long time. Yeah. So how are you, Bunny? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I really need to write shit down. I always think about it like I never remember shit I think about during the week to talk about here. Uh, Dune's probably going to suck. That's going to be my prediction there. Uh, I mean, really, because if David Lynch could not pull off a version of Dune, you know, Dowski, whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, well, they just wouldn't give him the money to do it. I mean, that fucking boy had the plan. He had 
everything planned and that sounded really interesting yes i think dune does need more artwork by hr giger and music of pink floyd that sounds yes yeah with jodorowsky behind the helm of that like hey leave your acid at home this one's on us (laughs) you know i'm still upset at the fact that they made how many uh lord of the rings movies and no zeppelin music yeah right it's upsetting to me it's upsetting to me you would think they could sneak it in there somewhere it's upsetting so how are you bunny how are you how are you how are you you didn't write anything down i didn't write anything down <laughs> yeah um to the core of bunny. how has your week been uh, it was about the same as last week. That's kind of the thing. It would have been nice to get out to a movie. Just something to break things up, you know. It was no, nothing particularly thrilling happened all week, did it? Well, I got totally wasted on Wednesday. Because I, I had to go to the dispensary, and I was like, Oh, yeah, the last time I was here was 420, and I won that can of Keith. Well, this week I have my new license, so you always get good. See, I don't know how it works there, but, like, you join a dispensary here. Oh, no, there's none of that here at all. Because with your license... You are, I am entitled to grow six plants. Okay. Okay. So then I go to the dispensary. Because what am I doing with six plants? I don't even know how to grow them. Yeah. I grow, I sign my plants over to them for membership. And then I'm a member huh. of that dispensary. And you get okay. your license renewed every month. So every month you sign with your dispensary and you get like a signing bonus. So I got some really cheap drugs on Wednesday. And that's how oh, they get cool. that's how they get all their plants to grow. They collect all the plants. <clears throat> the, they co- collect all the paper plants that people are allowed to grow and collect them all and they start a farm. Plants on paper, yeah. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. So if so so if you figure like if if we collectively just decided we want to start a grow in Colorado. Well, Jeannie has six plants. I have six plants. You have six plants. Grimy mold guy has six plants. So we're building up our farm. We get more people in. We get their nice. plants. You know, that's that's the weird way it works here. And you're not allowed to pay with credit cards for marijuana-related things, although some places have found ways around that. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. What is he doing? Is he even hearing me anymore? Me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Something happened, but we're good. Oh. I think so. So, uh, yeah. So you have to. So you have to get cash for marijuana and marijuana-related product purchases. Yeah. Who, for some strange ass reason, like they're not allowed to have bank accounts or something like that, because they're still like technically the drug trade so banks can't take money from the drug yeah. trade yeah i understand know? i understand that because like here like i don't need to join a dispensary or anything like that but you absolutely need uh cash it's cash only 100 cash just cash Nothing else. And there are so many times where I'm out and about and I'm like, oh, hey, there's that dispensary. I should stop. Oh, I've only got three bucks. I'm not going to go to the bank and get money out and then go back to the dispensary. Uh, You know what? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. But then some places work around it because PayPal makes a card scanner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you could, it's just a regular card scanner, so you could have a card scanner by the register, and it's just going directly into your PayPal account. That's cool. So that's, that's, uh, that's a way some of them work around it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Steve Mnuchin's wife. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Mnuchin's wife. Yes. Yes. Uh This movie is really something else. Like I like I had to I had to text you like there has got to be a scene in this movie where she is just flat out wiping her ass with hundred dollar bills. Yeah. And I'm sorry that scene was not in this movie. I mean, her ass was in it plenty. Yes, it was. Yes. Yes, it was. So that was my week. No, it's me. <laughs> I was twitching. I was twitching my legs, and my legs are tucked underneath my gamer chair, and it causes the leg rest to bounce, <laughs> which makes what sounds like a knocking sound which makes emerald's dog freak out okay i'm done i'm done (laughs) it's a lot of fun but i won't do it anymore because the wife is starting to yell oh that's hilarious though you have a certain amount of control (sighs) over that dog i do 
And I do. I'm going to power. And that dog is in another room, so it's like a remote control. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, so like that's about it. So I got another yep. can of Keith and got really, really fucking ripped. Yeah, that makes me so happy because I talked about getting wasted on Keith. Yeah. So it makes me feel good that other people have now that you have also gotten wasted on Keith. That makes yes. me feel better. It is so fast acting. That's the interesting part. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't walk for like a half hour. Yeah. I yeah. tried. I tried several times. He was talking I... even slower than usual. He was talking like one word at a time. Like thinking Did you about, see? Thinking about each word before he said it and saying it very succinctly and slowly and carefully. Each this is handcrafting. Okay. You know, the 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 old world style of of just crafting a sentence and an idea. Okay. That that's what America has lost. Yes. Agreed. I, did you see my video that I posted this afternoon? Yes, I downloaded it for next week's next week's okay. breaks. I didn't do breaks this week. Yeah, got lazy. It's fine. But I got I got blitzed on ice cream. Yes. So yes, you did. I saw my wife this afternoon, and I'm like, hey, "Oh, honey, I feel like I haven't seen you in days." But that. <clears throat> But that face you were making, that's the face I, I've been trying to tell you about how I feel about the taste of edibles. That face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about you while I was eating the ice cream because it's so rare for me to eat edibles that have that taste. But, oh, that ice cream had that taste. It might have just been the flavor that I got. I don't know. But, oh, it had that taste. Ugh. Oh, I, I yeah. taste it. I taste it. And uh, and it seems like it's even worse in things that like there are some things that you can some edibles that you could buy where you're really trying to mask out that taste like chocolate or or heavy coffee flavors, you know, yeah. to to hide that taste. And you would think that that would work, but no, I I kind of almost think it enhances the marijuana taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but gummies and everything, I, I taste it and I make that face. The face yeah. you made. And that's yeah. why I buy ones that I, I can just swallow down now. Yeah, and then and then Emerald got really high and we were high together and that made me feel better. Yeah. And she was high too and we were just we were just sitting here at the kitchen table giggling and and I would just like Oh my god, it's only been 10 minutes and she's like, "I know, right? Time is moving slower." Yeah. And we're moving faster than time. I'm living a whole lifetime in a minute. Like it was crazy. 
Yeah. When I but, drank I, but I got tea, but I wound I, up getting a lot of interesting work done in my head for Nettie Braxton. Things that I really hadn't nice. thought of before and I was stoned and I was like, oh, this is awesome. The, the, I, and I mentioned some to you and I know it's not coherent, you know, and at the same time I worry about I worry about talking about it because like, well, I should probably write a treatment or something and get it copyrighted first. Uh, but yeah. more it's like for the people I would want to do this most are the ones I'm going to wind up spoiling it for first. <laughs> you know? Because, like, you have to talk about it and you have to, like, get it out of your system while you're working through the thoughts. Christian was in the audience. I know he knows what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah. So grimy gold, grimy mold guy. I, I I still haven't gotten around to writing his agency or the agency that shot the commercial. I'm betting he's going to be really pretty easy to find, and then it's going to be all yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, and and like meeting like meeting new people and like getting to know like like i i really kind of want to like leave with the way society is i kind of want to leave grimy mold guy where he is you know where mm. i like him i respect him he is grimy mold guy he is important to me because i'm because uh, because then i'm afraid that like I'm going to wind up contacting him and his first question to me is going to be like, how do you feel about the Jews? Oh. Yeah. Oh. You know, it's like, let's make a deal. Remember, let's make a deal. Mm -hmm. Are you old enough to remember the old let's make a deal with Monty Hall? Monty, Monty oh. Hall. Yeah. Yeah. And you would, and it was just a fun, stupid show. I think they've re they're doing it with somebody else now. Um, it's 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 the black guy with the amazing singing voice that was on um that that totally improv show. Yeah. What's the name of that damn show? With uh, Drew Carey as the host. It was an American version of a British show. Oh, whose line is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Does yeah. Wayne Brady have to choke a bitch? Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. Yeah. Uh, and they would choose contestants by asking if, if they have, if they've brought stupid shit with them. Like, do you have paper clips or who has a, who has a chickens? Who has a rubber band in their purse? Yeah. Or in their wall or in their pocket. Oh, you're going to be the next contestant. Yeah. Yeah. And they all came in costumes. It was a weird ass show. It was fun. But, you know, 
you'd play for prizes and you would always get to the point where you would have to choose what's behind door number one, what's behind door number two, and what's behind door number three. And if you chose the wrong one, you that was a zone. Yeah. And you got that and a donkey. It was usually a donkey. Yeah. And like all of human society has become that now. Like we've all chosen the wrong door and it's all fucking Jewish space lasers and shit now. Mm-hmm. It's insane. You know, you're a grown-up and you believe this stuff? Yeah, Jewish space lasers. They were all just tourists, don't you see? I I didn't notice anything wrong on the Capitol on this day. Yes, there were people. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, the guy who said that 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 you would mistake them for tourists, there's clear footage and video and pictures of him hiding behind an armed guard with his gun out. Oh, there's been a few of them, yeah. The, Trying to, to, to block the door, like, oh no, tourists! Or you could compare it, you can compare, I mean, anybody saying this is getting busted one way or the other, it's, it's either with pictures or they've done an interview saying how they felt at the time, you know, where it's like, oh, they're just tourists, well, why did you say this shit the day after about how you were terrorized? And how you feared for your life. Why did you say this the day after? But now you're saying they're tourists. Yeah. Wearing the mask like this really does a good job of covering up my facial hair. I am really into going to Mars, like, right now. I know... There's a little bit of a problem with the breathable atmosphere, but damn it, I'm worth. I'm 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 taking that chance. I don't want to go to Mars only because I'm not that big of a fan of Matt Damon. I would I would rather live for the one three seconds, however it longs from takes for me to choke out on an alien world, you know, as compared to keep living in this weird ass nightmare. Yeah. I've, I've given up. Like, when when is it that we're going to hit rock bottom on just flat out stupidity? They put they put gas in bags. Yeah, yeah. Like what the All fuck? I mean, like like. And I want to be like that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but it's not. <laughs> There's been no, plenty uh, of goofy-ass shit leading up to this. Yeah. This is just par for the goddamn course now. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're putting, ba- they're putting gas in plastic? Yeah, well, you know, well, sure they are. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. Am I looking surprised here? No. They're the ones all offended at Dr. Zeus with a Z. Yeah. 
you know, because they just don't know any better. <laughs> uh, so I hear there's an exciting chap this week. Oh, it Rumor is. has it. The same one from last week. So yeah. hooray. Man, I'm so glad I wasn't paying attention last week. Yay, it'll be a surprise. <laughs> and then, fun fact, when we get to Act 3, I will be telling uh, the story about the movie that got Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin in trouble because he was advertising it in his official role as Secretary of the Treasury. What movie it is that he got in trouble for advertising, you will never guess. It was, it was not this week's movie? No, 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 no. By the time this week's movie came out, uh, uh, he was already out as Secretary of the Treasury. It was oh. a different movie, and you'll never guess what movie it was that he got in trouble for advertising to people as oh, Secretary wow. of the Treasury. It's hilarious. Okay. Uh... Well, let's get on over there and, and, and go through this week's chap. Man, I, I, am, I am chomping out the bit. I, I think it has something to do with Saturday Night Live. All right. Jesus. <laughs> so until next week, I am Bunny Williamson. That's the end of the show. This part is self-adhesive. Self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. And it's a great tagline. on that. Oh. Bunny! Yes? If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? Everybody is. It's taking the nation by storm. It's sweeping the nation. It's swiffering the nation by storm. But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning, that have been with us since we were a traveling road show, since we were just a pamphlet written yes. in Kent, Ohio, uh, would know two undeniably really real and not made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest will they or won't they couple, Bunny and Steve. Yes. First and foremost is the fact that you, Bunny, are a very successful part-time wet nurse. Now, can you walk us through that, Bunny? How did you get started in uh, the world of being a wet nurse? There are so many aspects to wet nursing. I... I it is a, a very, very underrated profession uh, and, and much scorned, much scorned is Off the male liners. And people do not realize what goes into it. Uh, I mean, I had to start just training to be a male wet nurse, you know, uh, at a very young age, I had to get one of those breast pumps because it takes a really long time to condition male breasts to start producing milk, you know? So it yeah. was a part of my workout routine. So there would be, you know, there would be like, like upper body strength day, you know, 
And of course, there would always be the dreaded leg day everybody talks about. Everybody fears of, leg day. Of course, of you know, I, I, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would. I would. <clears throat> I would. Uh, I would have titty day. You know, I would have titty day where it was just like <laughs> various strength pumps. You know, um, for about twenty. Pumps at a time, rest, and maybe another twenty pumps at a time. Except when you get up to the big dairy models, they're all like automatic and full fucking strength. You know, that's really when you know yeah. you're ready. You know, so yeah. uh, from there, uh, you know, word of mouth, you know, things like that. Uh, like most artists, you have to do things for exposure. You know, so. Somebody gotta pay will your want dues. you. Gotta pay your dues. Will, huh? Gotta pay your dues. Yeah. Somebody will want you at their party and they're not gonna pay you and you're gonna have to breastfeed all the guests, but you know, you're getting good exposure, you know, and it's like, yes. Uh but like uh what really made me big in the industry uh that most people know again because male wet nurses are unsung is that uh, I, I developed chocolate so one yeah. breast was chocolate one breast was regular so that was that was kind of a big deal i had to give out a Can lot of free samples before that started rolling you know but everybody wants the chocolate milk now of course they at least want to try it i hear that that it brings all the boys to your yard. So that's something, I it's, think. It's something to fall back on. Anywho, you the know. second thing that you would know about me, yeah, yeah, safety net. Yeah. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the podcast is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well and reworded via my own unique voice, my own unique storytelling style, my own unique panache, razzmatazz, bringing out the shimmer. And that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, dun, dun. Or shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name shap. It's short, but it's wise. It's the Papa Smurf of podcast segments. Anywho, this week on the old shapity shap shap, we will be discussing good versus evil, light versus darkness, Miskel Spillman and Elvis Costello. Sure, everybody knows the name Elvis Costello. The man's a musical legend, but no one remembers the name Miskel Spillman. And on this week's Shap, we will be talking about how Elvis Costello robbed my new hero, Miskel Spillman, from being a household name. But first, before we get to Miskel Spillman, I need to talk a little bit about the musical legend that was uh, uh, Elvis Costello. We still His have real the name, second screen, by the way. Good. His real name, of course, isn't uh, Elvis Costello. His real name is Gordon M. Sumner. Just kidding. That was Sting's real name. 
Do you like jazz? Elvis Costello's real name is Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus. That's not even a name. That's a punishment. Yeah. He was born in 1954 to a musically inclined couple. His dad was a jazz trumpeter. So Elvis loved music growing up. And in his early 20s, he started a pub rock band. And it's important to uh, explain what a pub rock band is. It was a 70s movement in the UK because prog rock was all big in the 70s in England and it was mind expanding and uh, drug induced and extra. And then glam rock was all big and flashy and also extra, but regular British blokes just wanted to go back to the good old days where they could go to a pub, get shit faced drunk, listen to some dad rock and get into a fight. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born. Uh, and pub rock became a thing. It was butt rock in pubs, and you could get into a fight. So Elvis Costello was fronting a pub rock band called Flip City, and he was also looking for a solo recording contract. And in 1976, he got signed to an indie label. And in 1977, he released his first album, My Aim Is True, his song, Allison, used to be one of my go-to songs uh, in karaoke, and that song got me through a handful of breakups back in the day. Yeah. Anyway, it seems as if it's important to put in context that this early version of Elvis Costello, the pub rock Elvis Costello, before he may or may not have gotten full of himself, a young, early Elvis Costello was willing to cause a stink and make a scene in order to get his name out there. For example... His first album was only released in the UK. No one wanted to release it in the United States. So at a London convention of CBS record executives, Elvis Costello showed up and started busking in protest. He was arrested. It made the papers and CBS Columbia Records signed him and released his album in America in 1977. Elvis Costello, young Elvis Costello, troublemaker. Now let's put a pin on that because we are in the pocket of big pin. Yes. We're using more pins than any other podcast. So put a pin on that because it's now time. And this is when you would want to switch funny to move on to the myth, the legend, the one and only Miskel Spillman, my new hero. Yes. She was born in Germany. Yes. She immigrated to the United States. She said roots in New Orleans. Miskel Spielman got living a nice quiet as a happy uh, quiet Yeah, hold, hold up a second. We seem to be losing you a bit. Buddy, are you there? There you go. There you go. Okay, we got you. We're still in business. No problem. Okay, so you can hear me just fine. Yes, and you were pretty much just getting into the story, and man, I was praying for you to come back because it was such a Perfect transition over. Okay. Miskel Spillman. 
I don't know. I'm just going to start over with Miskel Spillman. She was born in Germany. She immigrated to the United States. She said roots in New Orleans. She got married. She had kids. She had grandkids. And she was living a nice, quiet life as a happy, normal grandmother. And that would have been better day. We're kind of losing you again, dude. Not to produce, not to promote Calibur, not because she's a movie. Hi, everybody. It's me. The fucking alien. We're having some technical difficulties. We're working on it. Leave me alone. Jeez. You'll be right back, man. Bunny, speak to me! Oh, Jesus. Okay. You got me? Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. You got me. Gotcha. Okay. Jesus Christ. All right. It, it's a, see, do you know what this is? You know who's you know you know who's doing this to me. What? It's obvious. Elvis Costello. It's Elvis Costello. Yes. He's in league with China, and together they're trying to silence the story of Miskel Spillman. Yes. That's what this is. Yes, it is. I'm, I am on to you, Gordon M. Sumner. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to hear the truth. Okay, so we're still good? Okay, goddammit, I'm going to start this again. Miskel Spillman. And last week there were sound problems, so I'm doing this a second time, but then there's problems the second time. God yeah. damn it, we're going to get through this! <laughs> Miskel Spillman, she was born in Germany. She emigrated to the United States. She set roots in New Orleans. Miskel Spillman got married, had kids, grandkids, and lived a nice, quiet life as a happy grandmother, and that would have been it were it not for Saturday Night Live. It's 1997. SNL is starting its third season. Chevy is out. Bill Murray is in. Buck Henry and Steve Martin are appearing frequently. To really grab people's attention at the beginning of season three, they announce a contest. The Anyone Can Host Saturday Night Live contest. The rules were simple. You send in a postcard explaining in 25 words or less why you should be chosen to host. And Saturday Night Live received over 150,000 postcards. But five random people were chosen as finalists. And one of the final five was Miskel Spillman, an 80-year-old grandmother whose essay read, and I quote, I need one more cheap thrill since my doctor told me I only have another 25 years to live. (laughs) 
She made two appearances. The first one was on the November 19th, 1977 episode of Saturday Night Live. The five finalists took the stage in the cold opening. Uh, they, they appeared and introduced... Uh, themselves. I have the episode on my computer. It was hosts Buck Henry and musical guest the insufferable Mr. Leon Redbone. Every time I hear him sing, I want to rip out my ears. Yes. They all appear in the cold opening with Garrett Morris and Gilda Radner, and they each get a line. I'm Dave, the unemployed guy from Oregon. I'm Deb Blair, mother of three from Peoria. I'm Connie, the Vassar co-ed. I'm Dick, the governor of South Dakota. That was then South Dakota Governor Richard Knipe. He was a Democrat, a Catholic, and later he would serve the Carter administration as the U.S. ambassador to Singapore. And one can only assume that this small-time governor was probably the front runner until America got to hear from our 80-year-old hero. And her line was... I'm Mystical Spillman, and I'm old. And the audience goes nuts. Laughs, applause, America falls in love with Mystical Spillman. Then during Buck Henry's monologue, he interviews all five finalists one by one. And to vote, you would either send in a postcard with your vote on it, or there was a ballot included in TV Guide. Yeah. Uh... Fun fact, right after the monologue was the now famous fake commercial for John Belushi's Little Chocolate Donuts, which is a classic. So the Chocolate Donuts commercial uh, came from that first appearance of Mystical Spillman's. There's a really funny part in the monologue where where uh, um, John Belushi is like, well, uh, one of them's an 80-year-old woman. Well, it, 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 no, Gilda Radner says one of the uh, uh, finalists is an 80-year-old woman. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you love to live to 80 years old? And John Belushi says, no, are you crazy? I'm going to die before I'm 30. <laughs> it's like, nice try, John Belushi. You died at 33. Wow, yeah. what a fail. <laughs> wow. That was uh, that was bad on your part, John. Yeah. Now we're left with Jim. Ugh. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. But at least Jim. we did have a backup copy, you know. So like, yeah. Yeah. it it kind of helped us like wean ourselves away. You oh, know. Mike Pence dies. We got Greg. Yeah. <laughs> like like. You had a little bit of a oh, cushion weird. where it's like where it's like, oh, it's Jim Belushi, and he would get credit for something in your heart for being John's brother. Yeah, and then until you got to the point where it was like, oh, it's Jim Belushi. You suck. Yeah, you just <laughs> suck, dude. You just suck. So then we don't care who your brother was. Yeah. <laughs> Then during Weekend Update in their first appearance, uh, Lorraine Newman interviews all five contestants and Lorraine asks Miskel Spillman, so Miskel Spillman, 80-year-old grandmother, how do you feel? And she just says, oh, just tired. 
So, of course, Miskel Spillman won, and she returned two episodes later to host the big Christmas episode. This should have been a massive epic thing, the stuff of legend, an 80-year-old grandmother hosting SNL. Miskel Spillman should have been a household name, the oldest person to host SNL until 88-year-old Betty White would host in 2010. Now, fun fact about when Betty White hosted, she was almost 90, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And it was believed that Betty White was so old that there's no way she could have handled the pressure of hosting SNL by herself. So since it was the Mother's Day episode, a number of former SNL moms appeared as well to help her, like Tina Fey, Kristen Wiig, Anna Gasteyer, and more. And they got that from Miskel Spillman because she was 80 years old. And so when she hosted, Buck Henry co-hosted with her to help the 80-year-old handle the weight of hosting a live TV show. This episode should have been a game changer for Miskel Spillman, um, which made her a household name. What happened to her? Elvis effing Costello happened. So here's how Elvis Costello stole Miskel Spillman's big moment. The original plan was... Let's get the world's hardest band to play with the 80-year-old grandmother. So they signed the Sex Pistols to be the musical guest. But at the last minute, a visa issue kept the band from being able to travel to the United States. And so suddenly SNL needs to find a replacement and fast. And that's how a young, and remember, rebellious, undo that pin, Elvis Costello, the yeah. troublemaking Elvis Costello, ended up as the musical guest for Miskel Spillman. Now, Columbia Records wanted him to play his laid-back new single, Less Than Zero, on SNL. But the problem with that is that song is extremely British. It's a scathing attack on a British politician named Oswald Mosley, who was the leader of the British Union of Fascists. It's a song that American audiences wouldn't really understand because, uh, like, we've got our own Oswald that we hate. And Elvis Costello was real pissy about, like, I don't want to do this song on SNL. There's no reason to do this in front of an American audience. It's going to flop. I know it's the single, but, like, I don't want to do this. I want to do a fun song that people will remember me by, not a British song that American audiences won't understand. So uh, there was a big fight about it. The first musical number was the ska-like song Watching the Detectives, which I like. Elvis Costello would go on to produce the debut album of legendary ska band The Special. So it makes sense that he would write Watching the Detectives. It was a very ska-sounding song. And that first musical number on Miskel Spillman's episode went off without a hitch. The second musical number... Elvis Costello, who was forced by his record company, by SNL, by everyone to do his new single, Less Than Zero. He does a few bars of Less Than Zero. Then he gets about he gets about 13 seconds into the song and he starts to sing about Mr. Oswald with the swastika tattoo before waving his hands frantically at his band to stop playing, which they do. SNL is live. 
He then turns back to the microphone and quickly says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but there's no reason to do this song here. And he turns back to his band, tells them what song to play, and they blast through the much better song, Radio, Radio. And throughout the number, you can see Elvis Costello looking off nervously to the side where no doubt a bunch of suits and people with clipboards were losing their shit. Yeah. Boom. Elvis Costello was banned from SNL. And that ep- the episode that should have been about how an 80-year-old German immigrant grandmother hosted SNL will now forever be known as the episode where Elvis Costello changed songs in the, in the beginning of a song yes. and uh, was banned from Saturday Night Live. Elvis Costello essentially robbed Miskel Spillman of her big moment. Now, I was going to end this chap with the story about how Elvis Costello was banned from SNL until 1989, where he was the musical guest from Mary Tyler Moore hosting the show. And also about how Elvis Costello interrupted the Beastie Boys during SNL's 25th anniversary special. The Beastie Boys go into the song Sabotage, which was their biggest hit and that they've played a million times. And then Elvis Costello runs on stage and gets them to stop and grabs the microphone and says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't see any reason why we should play that song here. And then Elvis Costello sings Radio Radio with the Beastie Boys backing him up. But instead, I want to end with this. Two years after the SNL stunt, Elvis Costello is heavily drinking at a Holiday Inn bar with the stills of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And he's so drunk that he gets belligerent. He gets angry. He gets Mel Gibson-y. He calls James Brown a, quote, jive-ass N-word, and Ray Charles, quote, a blind, ignorant N-word. And his explanation slash, slash apology was that he was having a conversation he didn't like and wanted it to end. And what's the best way to end a conversation? By getting racist. He has spent <laughs> decades apologizing for this racist outburst. And here's the thing. What happens in society is a celebrity is caught doing something bad. Then they apologize. Uh, but the thing about a public apology from a celebrity is, do they mean it? No, they're just saying, I am apologizing in public so that you can forget about this. We can all move on from this and I can continue to get money from you. But here's the thing. We as the audience don't have to forgive these celebrities. It's disgusting that Woody Allen still continues to make movies. It's disgusting that Mel Gibson continues to star in films. And it's disgusting that Elvis Costello wasn't fully held to the fire for saying the worst things in the world at a Holiday Inn bar. Also, who drinks at a Holiday Inn bar? Apparently, uh... Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus does, but I don't feel like forgiving Woody Allen. I don't feel like forgiving Mel Gibson, and I don't feel like forgiving Elvis Costello. Screw you, Elvis Costello. And that's it for Steve's historical approximations this week. Take two. It almost didn't happen again. Next week, we'll be talking about... um, a, a legendary, super famous, worldwide known author who wrote a werewolf book that people don't want you to read. Ooh. It's not Stephen King. 
It's not Stephen King, but it's going to be an exciting one next week. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! Unfortunately, we have a movie to talk about. Uh, We're going to be talking about um, John Oliver. We will be talking about Mad Max Fury Road. We will be talking a surprising amount about Neil Breen. Really? Yeah. And uh, the Congolese War. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should perhaps take a break. I feel you there. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 My name is Mr. Steve. I'm a storyteller. Hello, everybody. Mr. Steve here. And this is a lemon. I did a video, and I called it the Eat It Like an Apple Challenge. I ate through three foods as if it was an apple. I ate a banana without peeling it, an orange without peeling it, and a raw potato. Uh, It was the eat it like an apple challenge. Can you eat it like an apple? Well, I guess this is eat it like an apple too. I've got a lemon. This is the goal. The goal is to look at you, the audience, with no emotion. Eat it like an apple, and that's it. No emotion on this face. And this is going to be difficult. I have a very emotional face. I have a very expressive face. You can always tell how I'm feeling. My face will tell you. So it's going to be difficult to do this. I will not be taking off the sticker, although I like the little bead. I am confident in my ability to do this, to take a bite from this lemon without peeling it and show no emotion on this face. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can do this. <laughs> I got this, 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 I got this. I got this. I got this. 
Hello there. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Oh, this? Oh, it's just, uh, it's nothing. I just wanted, I just want a little snack. That's all. I do enjoy myself a good snack. Oh. Hello there. Oh, this? Just a little snack I like to eat every once in a while. Smell it. Yeah. Oh, look, some juice. Very tasty. Oh, my. Oh, give me a towel. Give me a towel. Give me two of them. No, no, no. Oh. No, no, no. Oh. Oh. Okay. Thank you. That was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Oh. But let me tell you something. If you want to freak somebody out, just stare them directly in the eyes and eat a lemon. I can't wait to see that footage. Mm -hmm. Oh my! Oh! Madman! But did. I did it. Yes! 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 gentleman out there by the name of Jeep. Now, Jeep is very close to somebody that I know from a long, long time ago. He's a friend of mine, and therefore, Jean, by de facto, we are friends as well. And now, Jean, I shall read this for you. Rusty Cake. You wired me awake. Now lift me to the hand of broken nails. You tied my lead and pulled my hand. 
watch my blood begin to boil. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break mine. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. Burning dinosaur bones, yeah? Great. Down to still water and ride a pack of dogs. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break mine. into my brain. It's going to be too dark to sleep again. Cutting my teeth on bars and rusty chains. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. When the forest burns along the road like God's eyes in my headlights. When the dogs are looking for their bones and it's raining ice picks on your steel shore. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my I'm going to break my Hi, I'm not Dora the Explorer. I'm queuing on Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. Because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election, but the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. (laughs) Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. We're talking George Soros. We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortese. Oh, oh. Save 
children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hashtag Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Hashtag Save the Children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers. I am Sam I am. I am Sam I am. Would you like green pigs and ham? Would you like them over there? Or would you like them over here? Would you eat them in a box? Would you eat them with a fox? Would you like them in a house? Would you like them with a mouse? You may like them, you will see. You may like them in a tree. Would you, could you with a goat? Would you, could you in a boat? I could not like them. Those green eggs and ham. I cannot stand them. Mr. Sam, I am. Would you, could you in a car? Eat them, eat them, here they are. How about in the rain, in the dark, or on a train? This is it! We got stories for our grandchildren! Much, much, much later. Grandpa, tell me about the time you used to make Well... Our president was a racist and a rapist, and he lost re-election. So we decided to break into the Capitol and try and hang the vice president. Kill a bunch of people. I saw somebody take a big shit in in a hallway. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a pretty great time, and and that's my story. Well, fuck you, you piece of shit!
When mold invades your space, get Concrobium Mold Control. Only Concrobium crushes mold and mildew at its roots, leaving an antimicrobial shield so it won't grow back. Concrobium. Defend your home. Be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass. My name is Captain Black. You may think that I'm a materialistic, narcissistic, self-absorbed misanthrope. I don't deny it. I'm a hedge fund manager. I'm addicted to fashion, the accumulation of money, exercise, and sex. My life is incredible. Hi. I have an appointment about running the room. Nice digs. You got a plastic Mustang? Yo, what? Every single day. Now I got a I had a soft spot for him. Who knew? I hadn't felt a soft spot for anything since I was six. Please, very sexy. Don't get carried away. Keep your focus on the task at hand. How did I not see it coming? You thieving little twit. Oh, I have to pull myself together. I think I'm going to disembowel this kid and kill him. You got the car? I'm taking the car back. I think I really like this girl. I really think we can make this work. You stole from me. You're crazy. Mm. Is that You can do what exactly with that, huh? Really escalated. No! I'm madly in love with you. I really appreciate that. Stop! There's no need to escalate this to the point of no return. That's subjective, sweetheart. Oh. Can we take a water break? That'd be nice. Maybe we should get married. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Act three, buddy! Act three! A very depressing act three. Got that right. Yes, buddy, my friend, my brother, my some third thing. 
It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film to casually stroll on into the third and final act of the show. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually mosey around to discussing our all new low cost, low and fat, and now available without a prescription movie of the week. And this week, we inexplicably find ourselves praising the subtle cinematic genius of such. Uh, amazing directors as Tommy Wiseau and Neil Breen as we discuss the 2021 Vanity Project, Me, You, Madness. A shit title for a shit movie. Yes. To be fair, I don't want to call this a Vanity Project because that would be uh, too cruel to the word vanity. Yes. That's can we can we just get the synopsis right out of the way? Because it's not going to take long. Okay, so written and directed by Steve Mnuchin's wife, and the whole plot of the movie was: Hi, I am Steve Mnuchin's wife, and I am amazing. And I kill people, and I fuck this guy. Hope you enjoy. And that was it. Yeah, that's that that's, was that's, that was the whole plot. Yeah, that was pretty much the entirety of the movie that you summed oh. up right there. So, hooray! Uh, so this movie, this week's movie, is not the best movie in the world. Uh. And it definitely, because see, I said the same thing when we watched Money Plane. I yeah. am Darius Emmanuel III. What was his? What, what was his nickname though? I uh, am Darius Emmanuel III. Grouch. The Rumble. And oh. I'm gonna rob the Money Plane. The Rumble. That was it. So so. This this week's film represents exactly the sort of movies that have found themselves being released by Hollywood during the pandemic. Yes. It's exactly what Jeannie was saying in Act 2 during, uh, during Bunny Versus, is that, hey, movie theaters, I know you're hurting. I know that you've had a really rough time. You were ha- Movie theaters were having a hard time in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 so like you were already hurting when the pandemic happened you know so this has been especially bad on movie theaters in hollywood and hey i know you want me to come back to the movies i know i i know that but i'm not going to go to the movies if all there is to see is tom and jerry the war on grandpa and this yeah yeah that, of course, is a joke. This was shown in zero theaters. But let's, let's, just let's be serious theory. a moment before diving neck deep into this shit. Yes. Uh, movie theaters are the front line of the whole entertainment industry. Yes. You know, they are not making a lot of money. No. And they pay pretty shit wages. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Absolutely. But there is no reason for Hollywood to be gouging them on the cost of feature films the way they have always been doing and have continued to do even after everything has gone fucking digital and now you just download this shit. It's not like they're sending you film cans anymore. That's why I want to go see Spiral because it hasn't come out as a digital release yet. Yeah. And I don't when Spiral will be available at home. So right now, you either go to a movie and see it or you uh, just wait in indefinite amount of time. Yeah. There are bootleg versions of Spiral out there, but they're all shit. Uh, like, like I was going to go see the movie Nobody in theaters, which we did a couple of weeks ago, and it's a wonderful film. Yeah. But by the time I was ready to go see it, it's like, oh, if I just wait nine more days, I can see it in my living room. Yeah. But I don't know when the new Saw movie is coming out, so like that one, I might go to the movie theaters for. Maybe. Yeah. But I'm not sure. But, but there aren't a lot of movies like that right now. No. You know, most of the movies come out like King Kong, like, like Godzilla versus Kong. I had to go see that in the theater. I had to 100%. I already had it waiting on my TV for the kids to watch while I traveled to the movie theater to watch the movie. (laughs) That just meant a lot to me. I have to go see Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, and I have to see it in an IMAX theater, and I'm going to travel far and see that, and by the time I got back, the kids had watched the movie. Yeah. And that was fine to me, but and, and all of the other films, yeah, if they're available at home, I'm going to watch them at home. Yeah. But Saw isn't available at home. So, before we start taking this movie apart bit by bit, I will say that this movie does a good job of one thing. One thing. Okay. It explains Steve Mnuchin's marriage. Yes, it does. Because you would see Steve Mnuchin, which is what would happen if John Oliver got one of the creatures from Troll 2 pregnant. Yes. You'd see Steve Mnuchin. He's a human boggling's. He's a he's a real fuggo. He's got a face that says, I'm definitely a movie producer. Yes. He's got a movie producer's face. He totally does. Maybe a big casting couch, but hey, who's to say? Who's to say? He's a fugly boggling. And then you see his attractive, skinny, blonde, young runway model of a wife and you wonder how the hell did Steve Mnuchin get this woman why is she with him and now we know why she's with him to get her uh, vanity project made yeah there you go now everything makes sense uh, because Steve Mnuchin he he his dad worked for Goldman Sachs and then he worked for Goldman Sachs and then he was working with trust funds and he was he he, he made like millions and billions taking care of failing companies 
he 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 was in charge of like Kmart for a while and like Sears and he wasn't like CEOs, but they were already going out of business. And here comes uh, here comes a group that is now hired to handle the dying finances of this company and make sure everyone gets paid. And Steve Mnuchin gets paid handsomely for that. He gave the Trump organization a number of loans. And yeah. so Donald yeah. Trump said, hey, you are a rich person who gave me money. What do you want from the United States government? And that's how Steve Mnuchin became the Secretary of Treasury. And uh, he's he. The thing that sucks is that uh, Steve Mnuchin wanted to get into the the Hollywood game, and they're like, "Huh, I wonder how I could become a producer." Hey, does anyone need money? And uh, nobody wanted to touch Steve Mnuchin. But then suddenly, this company comes up and says, "Hi." Uh, maybe you could give us money. See, um, everyone says this is stupid. Everyone says this is idiotic. Everyone says this is going to fail and everyone is making fun of us. But look, we think we could make a good movie with Legos. Yes. So Steve Mnuchin said, here, here's a bunch of money. And that was a huge, massive hit. And then suddenly Steve Mnuchin became a very powerful executive producer in Hollywood. He helped produce Sully, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Batman versus Superman, Mad Max Fury Road, and Tom Cruise's Edge of Tomorrow which I did not see, but only because I read the book. It's a Japanese book called All You Need Is Kill, and that's the best fucking greatest name for a a book. All You Need Is Kill. So when they called it Edge of Tomorrow, I got really fucking pissed off. Yeah. All You Need Is Kill is fucking awesome. So so, uh, Steve Mnuchin was a uh, like a like a a trust fund, a uh, super rich guy came from a super rich family, worked at Goldman Sachs, gave Trump uh, uh, loans and was a movie producer, suddenly turned the secretary of the treasury and he got in trouble for 2017. He was in an in, he was doing an interview with the press. Yeah. And I said earlier in the podcast, he got in trouble for promoting a movie as the Secretary of Treasury, and you would never guess what movie it is. And he's doing an interview with everyone, and he's like, I'm the Secretary of the Treasury. I do money things. I know business. Business, business, business. Yes. Uh, Any questions? Okay, I'm answering questions. Business, money. I am very smart. So that's it for my time here. And uh, I would also like to take this time to say to all of the families in America... Take your children to see the Lego Batman movie come coming out this Friday. Yes. And then people came along and said, um, that's fucking illegal. <laughs> you can't promote your movies when you're the secretary of the fucking treasury. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yes. So we got in trouble for promoting the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> I think that's so fucking hilarious. So it makes sense for this Hollywood producer guy to have a vapid trophy wife. You know? 
It yes. makes sense. That's the one good thing about this movie is that that's that's it. That, okay, okay, that makes sense. That yes, makes sense. I was upset to learn that the star was actually born in Scotland, so she's not doing a horrible accent. That's just how she sounds. Wasn't that fucked up? Wasn't that yeah, fucked was up? up? I was literally, I was literally, we, we were talking about it. Like, she has the fucking worst fake worst. accent I have ever heard in my life. And I had to IMDb, and and you know, and Jeannie was like, was like, is this really Steve Mnuchin's wife? And I was like, you know, I didn't actually go and fact check it myself, and I'm kind of curious, but you know, so I just looked her up in IMDb, and yes, she totally is. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I, and I 100%. ran across she's Scottish, and I was like. How the fuck does that happen? Yeah, How yeah, can that's you be Scottish and do a bad Scottish accent at the same time? And when you look at the end credits of this film, it says no animals were harmed in the making of this film. I call bullshit on that. I think she ate the spider. Yeah. I think she ate the spider. Yeah. That's just my theory. That's just the theory. Uh, So this is a 2021 movie. It came out in February. Yeah. Where movies go to die. Um, It was written, produced, directed, and stars Louise Linton a Scottish-born socialite whose family owns Melville Castle in Scotland. So she was born to a fucking rich-ass family. Uh, Yeah. She wrote the script, which we should give her credit for, because it must have been hard for her to go, American psycho, but a woman. Yeah. Oh, what an original take. Hashtag girl boss. This movie isn't vapid because that would be too cruel to the word vapid. This feels less like a movie and more just like a brag. Yes. Yes. This is just had this had bragging. this movie been titled Fifty Reasons Why I Hate Rich People, you might have kind of got me to buy in a little. Yeah. But no, this is just you. This is why this yeah. is why I can't help comparing it to the room. And I'm sorry, I think the room just needs to become a new standard. Yeah. Okay, so let just me tell like you the, just what? like the room, when you're watching the room, you know that this whole story was some chunk out of Tommy Weasel's life. Yeah. And therefore, Tommy Weasel is always right in every single scene. And he's the good guy. And he's the one that everything is put upon and everything else. I mean, it's still incredibly Tommy Weasel centric. But yeah. Tommy Weasel tried to tell a story. Yes. So it was a 
bad story. He's still, you know, in, in very much the Woodyan way, you can see Tommy Weasel's heart in the room. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas this piece of shit, <laughs> which I think I have to give a a three room rating. Okay. Ooh, that's a nice. Rating. So this is, is the a nice room rating. raised exponentially to three. So it's room the room cubed. Okay, is what we're talking yeah. about here. Yeah. This was all about her and how my how amazing my rich ass life is. Mm -hmm. You know, I have never seen like, you know, I mean, okay, so Tommy's telling so everybody's a hero in their own story. And that's all Tommy did. But like she elevated herself like past sanity at oh look at how awesome I am and every single fucking scene was just self-serving pieces of shit absolutely absolutely and it's like we know the person who made this got money because the soundtrack is great and I hate it yeah you could afford actual music. Well, that's also part of the, the music also was part of what drove me to IMDB because I was like, how fucking old are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's in her forties. <laughs> Let's get that out there. Yeah. So let me explain the exact reason why this movie was made. Okay. Uh, the star of the film, Louise Linton, had a really bad 2017. Yeah. So in the beginning of 2017, people, you know, Steve Mnuchin is now the, the Secretary of the Treasury. And uh, people, you know, people are saying, hey, Donald Trump, you need to, you know divest your business role if you're going to be the secretary if you're going to be the president you can't be in charge of your businesses fine i i give them i step down from my business roles and now my sons are in charge of business and everyone's like that doesn't really count but whatever so then they went to steve mnuchin and said hey you're still the ceo of dune entertainment which is a film company you can't if you're going to be the Secretary of the Treasury, you need to step down as the CEO of Dune Entertainment. Formerly Rat Pack Entertainment, which was owned by uh, Brett Ratner. Okay. Uh, so it's like this oh, is... Oh, doesn't big... that just kind of figure? I mean, like, who yeah. who would you yeah, be buddying up to? You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. So, so you got to step down, Steve Mnuchin. And he says, fine. I step down as the CEO of Dune Entertainment. Here is my replacement, my wife, Louise. Yeah. And so everyone started attacking her 
And it's like, you're married to him. You can't take over his business. He's the secretary of the treasury. This is bad. Uh, a member of the, the Senate Finance Committee started questioning whether this was legal and there were like hearings. And so she w eventually resigned as CEO in 2017. Okay. But that wasn't all. In August... She posted a picture of her and her husband on a trip to Fort Knox yes. on a U.S. government plane using hashtags on Instagram to show all her designer clothing. Hashtag Gucci, hashtag whatever, fucking Louis Vuitton, whatever the fuck. And so people started criticizing her where it's like, hey, you're on a government plane and you're dressed like super rich. That's not cool. And she, and she started attacking people who were attacking her on Instagram. Oh, you're so adorably out of touch. How dare you? How dare you say I didn't pay my fair share? I pay so much in taxes. How dare you? And that became this big sink in the media yeah. and everyone attacking her so she had to publicly apologize and yada 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 but then but then the government started looking in and it's like wait a second why is steve mnuchin and his wife um on a government issue plane traveling somewhere is steve mnuchin using his position for personal gain and he said no of course not i was traveling to fort knox on business i'm the secretary of the treasury and this is all business related but then it turns out that he was just saying that that he actually planned to go to fort knox because fort knox was on the path of the solar eclipse oh Lips happened and Trump was a dumbass and was looking at it with his blind, naked eyes. Yeah. yeah. Steve Mnuchin and his wife said they were going to Fort Knox when, in fact, they were just going to look at the clips on yeah. government. You know, that cost America. We paid for that trip. <laughs> so people were pissed at her for that. So that's two horrible uh, things yes. that happened in the same year but uh three months later uh uh so steve mnuchin and his wife go to for, not to fort knox but to wherever wherever they print the money right yeah because oh uh steve mnuchin he is the secretary of the treasury and in on money that is printed in 2017 it, it, you know, like, let me grab a dollar. I think I have a dollar. There you go. And it says here, series 2013, and there is the signature of the Secretary of the Treasury in 2013. So in 2017, they were printing new bills, and Steve Mnuchin got his name on some of our currency. And yeah. so him and his wife held up 
the first sheet of dollar bills with Steve Mnuchin's name on it. And they, the press was there and they were taking pictures and the media went nuts over the fact that she is there in like a leather outfit and a fur coat and like nice designer gloves that are all black. And everyone started calling her Cruella DeVille because that's yeah. exactly what she looked like. And people started freaking the shit out about it. And I, and so that has to be why she makes this movie. Because they're like, oh, America hates me. They think it sucks. Honey, I'm going to make a movie where I'm horrible. But, and I'm like a murderer because everyone hates me. But I'm going to show them my life is so much better than them. That is why this movie is made. Yes. It is direct response to people in the press and in the media realizing, oh, hey, this is a horrible person. So this movie was made as a direct response to that and fuck this movie. Yes. And she was a horrible person. She was a horrible oh, person. A, yeah, she's a horrible Every person. Every inch of this movie. Yeah. The only person I liked was the n- guy who did nails. <laughs> he was in it for five seconds. He's the only person I like in this film. Yeah. Oh my god! And how many fucking languages did she speak? Ah, uh, yeah. I would quote some bad lines, but there's just nothing in this that is in any way worth repeating in any fashion. But again, our intro introduction to that guy who did nails. Was her berating him over the phone because she chipped a fucking nail? You know? And that was yeah. the introduction to the nail guy. Because she's just that fucking privileged. Like the goddamn Super Karen. Yeah. Uh, check to see if uh, if things will... If Is it magnetic? Did you try putting magnets on it? Okay. But it's cold. Yeah, cold, cold, cold. Warm as hell, right where you got the shot. Yeah, that's probably Bill Gates trying to get you to marry him. I, I don't know. I don't know, but if the place where you got the shot is hot, then you know. Are you getting radio frequencies? Are you getting a sudden desire to use Bing, the one true search engine? Oh, malfunctioning chip. Yeah. Maybe that's why maybe that's maybe the place where you got your vaccine being hot is the reason why the internet went out during shap. Yeah. That's just science. Miskel Spillman. Miskel Spillman. Yeah. This movie, I feel that this movie that that maybe I would like it more if I was a one percenter. Yeah, like like what Entourage was to bros, what Joker was to angry white boys. This week's movie is to the ultra rich who think that their money makes them better than us. Yes. When the revolution happens, funny. And people... Uh, from the 1% start getting beheaded, I'm going to offer up the Mnuchin Linton family, all hypothetically. Yes. 
And when the mob asks, why should we? I'll just put this movie on, and 24 minutes in, when Louise Linton is making out with a decapitated head, the mob will already be lighting the pitchforks. Yes. At least Tommy Wiseau is entertaining. Uh, again, Tommy Wiseau tried. Like, like you could see love in the room. Whereas, th- where this whole movie is about love me. Like loving yeah. her, like like instead of instead of an artist of any level radiating their love down into the work, she's yeah. putting out the work to like absorb more. Yes, that was a really great analogy. Yes, that was really good. Yeah, that's that is why it's the room cubed. Yeah. It is at least uh, James James Nguyen's Birdemic is funny when you're high. Yes. At least Neil Breen's heart was in it. Damn it! Exactly. This week's movie is just a total fucking shit show. It's like it's interesting in a way. Because you see Neil Breen, you watch Double Down, we did for the podcast, yes. amazing. Las Vegas hacker uh, who eats cans of beans in his car. Tuna. Tuna, yeah, tuna. And uh, you go, this is a bad movie, but it's fun and it's funny and his heart was in it. But... Um, Imagine if he had $150 million to make that movie. Yes. But but since you, I'm no. glad you brought that up, though. I mean, yes, it looks beautiful. But still, I get the feeling that this is still shot independent style. And this is all just her house. Yeah, this is probably her house. <laughs> I mean, it looks beautiful. Money was spent here. Yeah, but like she was still just, throughout the movie, she was just switching in and out of rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it really made me think that, like, if Neil Breen had a hundred million dollars to make Double Down, it would look professional, but it would still be shit. Like, me, you madness looks flashy and it's colorful. It's very neon. And yeah. the lighting is nice, and it's got some crane shots, and, and it looks professionally made, but money can't solve this movie. Neil Breen's $100 million budgeted double-down would still be shit. Yes. And that's this film to a T. If Neil Breen were a one-percenter, you know, money can't solve this movie. But he would still get points in trying to tell a fucking story. Oh, yeah. I would much rather have Neil Breen's nonsensical story than this one that makes sense, but it just, it's flat. It doesn't go anywhere. We get it. We've already seen this movie before. Yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, nice boots, nice car, good fucking God, scene after scene is like that. And everything that she has to say is just self-aggrandizing crap. 
and everything she has and yeah. to say about anybody else is derogatory. So even the love yeah. angle is finding yeah. somebody that she doesn't treat as big a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this movie I mean, is she just still a does, piece but... of shit. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. No. Fuck this movie. Fuck Louise Linton. Fuck Steve Mnuchin. Mike Pence officiated their wedding. See, here is the text that you would get from her. Okay, like, bring home caviar, you piece of shit, lol. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the, be the, the kind last, of text. The last 35 minutes where they're just fighting in the house is just embarrassing. Yes. To watch. Just absolutely embarrassing. So, okay. So I want to finish our discussion of this week's film with a reminder of the last of, of when we first mentioned this woman. Okay, but 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 I also want to say everybody does need to watch this. There were oh, yeah. flashes briefly of like okay, this might have been better, but was still horrible. If she didn't write and direct this, then this could have been something. <laughs> yes. You know? Like, if she didn't write it herself, if she got professional writers to write her movie and got an actual director to direct it, this could have been something. But it had to be a vanity project all about her, all done by her, and the movie suffers because of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I agree. I, I basically hear what you're saying. If she didn't write, direct, or star this movie, it would be a better movie. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for agreeing with me. And in fact, I think if if we take that front to the extreme, okay, uh-huh. and actually picture the movie without her, so the camera shots would still go from scene to scene the way it always has, but there would be nobody in it then you can at least appreciate how well it was shot and it would be a better movie. Yeah. 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 Like if we She's could just digitize her out, just directly digitize the, her out of the movie and watch the yeah. movie again, I bet you it would still be a better movie. Yeah. We take Nataro the shit out of it. <laughs> there was some actor that was in that was cast in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, but Zack Snyder didn't like them, so they just they hired comedian comedian Tig Notaro, had her do everything on a green screen, and digitally added her into the film. Really, over the actor that they had originally hired. So we just need to get somebody in a green screen 
and just put them over this film. Even that would make it a better film. Well, you you, you know who my choices would be. Uh, Mitchell Spillman. As of as of late, no, no, I, I I say you replaced her, and we might as well get rid of the boyfriend too. And let's get Barbara yeah. Star in there. Oh, wonderful. Every movie is better with Barb and Star in it. But the color scheme that she went for in this movie is kind of a Barb and Star color scheme. I think they need to get in there and they need to get involved. Yeah, like everything's a fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. Everything is better with Barb and Star. Best movie of the year. Love that movie. So much. So I I would even I would even be curious if she could stay in the movie with Barb and Star. If Barb and Star can elevate this movie in spite of her. We're gonna Tom and Jerry this bitch. <laughs> Because they made an animated movie so bizarre. Tom and Jerry meet Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And what they do is they anim- they make an animated remake of the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Except now, Tom and Jerry are with the kids going into the Chocolate Factory. It's just the exact same movie, except now every once in a while, Tom and Jerry are in it. We do that with Barb and Star for every movie now. <laughs> Barb and Star and nobody. Oh, well, he's he's a killer. You're going to have to watch it with him. He's a killer. He well, just okay. this whole factory. See, now, I, I just kind of... Ru- I just kind of introduced the room scale of bad movies, and I think it's a good scale, but I think there's potential in the Barb and Star scale that that scale would be like how much more Barb and Star do you need to add to a movie to make the movie watchable? I can't I can't get the image out of my head of the room and we're on the roof of the building and the door opens up and it's just the two of them. He didn't hit her. He didn't. I can't believe she would say that. I know it's BS. It's bull. He didn't hit her. He did not. Oh hi, Mark. And they say it together. Oh hi, Mark. And and Trish thinks he did it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, what a funny story, Mark. I'm sorry, I've got to go. It's time for a talking club. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, could you imagine her Lisa's mom? <laughs> Cancer. <laughs> oh my god, did you hear? Uh, Lisa's mom has cancer. It's <laughs> breast cancer. It's definitely breast cancer. Yes, I am liking this. Oh my this. goodness. Have... Oh my God, you have breast cancer? You know where you should go? Vista Del Mar. 
<laughs> Wonderful. This is so good. Oh my god, there's birds in the sky! What should we hit them with? I don't have anything. Do you have any weapons? I don't have any weapons. Oh, we have our coat hangers. Let's you know what? This is crazy, but let's just use the coat hangers. In the sky against the birds. <laughs> Great idea. Great yes. idea. Yes. Just put Barbon Star in everything. Yes. God, that's so good. Okay, so we've discussed Louise Linton before in a news smattering segment. In 2016, Louise Linton published a harrowing memoir, which we have discussed on the podcast, about her time volunteering in Africa when she was 18. The book was called In Congo Shadow. One Girl's Perilous Journey to the Heart of Africa. And it was billed as, quote, the inspiring memoir of an intrepid teenager who abandoned her privileged life to travel to Zambia as a gap year student, where she <laughs> found herself inadvertently caught up in the fringes of the Congolese War. Hey, you know the civil war that is going on deep in the heart of Africa? What if we told that story through a rich-ass white woman's point of view? <laughs> Everyone wants to hear about the Congolese War, but you know what the problem is about telling the story of the Congolese War? Where are the white people? Thankfully, yes. Louise Linton is here to save us. So she oh, made the, her. Oh, the violence. The, the violence that I have seen. The horrible bloodshed. All right in front of my hotel window. Yeah. She made herself the central character in a story about African genocide. Oh, I can't imagine what these barbarians would do to an angel haired white woman such as myself. Uh, there was a massive uproar of sometimes in trying to help I'll throw down bandages and day old pastries from my balcony from my suite yeah she she got a, a section of her book published in the Telegraph newspaper in Europe, and it caused a massive firestorm of controversy. There was a massive uproar. The Zambian Observer news story called it, quote, the whitest story of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and she bowed to public pressure and stopped selling her book. Now, if only she would do it with this week's movie, we would all be fine. But she's not going to. But yeah. literally, she caused such a controversy that she made this movie as like, oh yeah, we'll wait till you see my movie. But that's the thing. No one's seeing this movie. No. No. No one is. No, but movie. we may be forever scarred. Yeah. Yeah. There are, like, I have an 80s playlist on my phone. 
I do not want to touch that playlist for a very long time. Oh, see now that's just sad. This, see, you should be able to. Uh, it sue is for this that. film. This film has hurt so many songs for me now. I would, I would now have to I say, can... I would have to say that that is traumatic, tr- traumatic symptoms. I kept wanting to I say traumatic, traumatic trauma. <laughs> I have post-traumatic Mnuchin syndrome. Yes. From watching this week's movie. Now I can't day bow bow anymore. What the, thank you for asking, Maxwell. It's yeah. a song from the 80s. Yeah, day that pissed bow, me off bow. too. Day bow bow. Now I can't day bow bow anymore. Because this woman ruined it. But this is kind of the end of the evolution of that song, isn't it? I mean, this is what that song has always literally represented. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. But yeah, that's all I've got for this week's movie. It's shit. It's absolute shit. Yeah, but but that definitely does put a hurting on Ferris Bueller's day off and uh, the Secret of My Success Absolutely. with Michael J. Fox and other great yeah. Bow Bow movies. Other great Bow Bow movies. Day Bow Bow got its name from a specific episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Where, where someone's talking about, hey, what are you? I'm just, I'm pretending to work at this company, just like Michael J. Fox and The Secret of My Success. And they're like, wait. Have you seen all of The Secret of My Success? Well, I've watched most of it. He pretends to be an executive. He rises up the ranks and then Day Bow Bow. What's Day Bow Bow? <laughs> oh, you know, Day Bow Bow. Day Bow Bow. Day Bow Bow. And they all start singing it. And so that was the high point. This movie is the low point for Day Bow Bow. I'm very, yes. I'm very disappointed. Yes. Oh, it pisses me off that they used the She's a Maniac. God damn it, Dryer! Shut up! Second time! It's because we're doing this on a Sunday that's laundry day, so it's difficult. If anything, yeah, it's fine. But I don't even know what else. They used She's a Maniac. And it was originally written... That song was originally written for like a horror movie, but they decided not to use it for the horror movie. But then it's like, hey, Footloose needs a song. Here you go. She's a maniac on the floor and she's dancing like she's never danced before. It was a song about a serial killer. We can easily make it about dancing. And now it's gone back to being a song about a serial killer. (laughs) So, yeah. Um. Hopefully there's a sequel where she's caught and is put in the chair. (laughs) I would like that. Make it into a true crime sequel and she gets the death penalty and we all get to watch her be killed. I would pay for that. I would buy that for a dollar. I would pay for that too. Yeah. Next week, we're doing something. Do you realize that this is a person that that Paris Hilton thinks needs to tone it down some? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This 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 movie stars a woman that Tara Reid says, "Man, she's an idiot." (laughs) 
behind me. Keep talking. It's like Tara Reed, and it's like, well, I could do Sharknado 6 or Me You Madness. I'm definitely doing Sharknado 6 because I have standards. That's this movie. That's Me You Madness. So uh, Bunny is gone. He has left me, and I am hurt. I am very hurt. He uh, needs to go to the bathroom. I just realized, because I'm looking at the screen right here, I drew myself. I'm pretty good at drawing myself, and that's a pretty good drawing of me. And then Bunny drew himself. I'm not sure why he drew himself as a hot dog on a stick employee. But hey, he's working at Hot Dog on a Stick. Good for you. It's an it's an honest day's work, Bunny. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm fine with that. So uh, really happy to have said this while Bunny wasn't here. So let's talk about what we're doing next week. It's a concept episode that, that I think is brilliant. We're going to be doing a double feature next week. And just to be clear, we're not discussing Goodfellas. We will be discussing Goodfellas and the sequel, which came out a month before Goodfellas. Yes. That is what we are talking about. Because the author of the book, Wise Guy, Nicholas Pileggi, I think is his name. He wrote the book Wise Guy that the movie Goodfellas was based on. But him and his wife both interviewed Henry Hill, the mobster. And the husband was interviewing him for his book idea. And the wife was interviewing him because this would be a good comedy movie. So he released his book first. And she's still working on the movie and getting it off the ground. Yeah. Then they decide to make a movie about his book, but then they, but then the wife gets the movie made, and the movie comes out a month before the movie based on her husband's book. So technically, Goodfellas Two came out before Goodfellas. It's a Steve Martin movie, and we're watching the both of them together. If yes. anything, I want to talk more about the Steve Martin movie than I want about Goodfellas. It's a great movie. Goodfellas is a good film, and I don't have much to add about that. I want to talk about Goodfellas in relationship to a Rick Moranis film. So, should we watch this chronologically order or release order? Goodfellas, then My Blue Heaven, canonically. So, yeah, because Goodfellas ends with, now I'm in the witness protection program. I got to wait in line at the supermarket like a schmuck. After that is Steve Martin as him at the supermarket. Yeah. Trying to live life in the suburbs. It is a literal sequel. Do you have arugula? <laughs> yeah. I have never seen my Blue Heaven. No? No, I've seen Goodfellas like a bajillion times. But I've never seen my Blue Heaven. I don't know why, but I never ended up seeing it. And I saw everything Steve Martin did back then. I have no idea why I never saw my Blue Heaven. It is weird. But we're watching it now, so it'll be a blind watch for me. 
But Goodfellas, then My Blue Heaven. I, I haven't put them on our shared cough cough, but I will if you need them. Uh, just My Blue Heaven. I don't that, have that. That's fine. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a decent sized My Blue Heaven. But that's what we're doing next week: a double feature, and then after that, we're becoming bottoms. Yes. With our look at the IMDb bottom one hundred, the one hundred worst rated films according to IMDb. Me, you madness isn't even on there. Really, the films worse than. Yeah. Well, see, that's why coming into this this summer, that's kind of why I wanted. I want some kind of legitimate scale, the room scale or the Barb and Star scale, you know, room scale so people great. can understand. Like, as we watch the bottom movies, uh, I don't think I finished letting you explain it. Uh, we can rate them in terms of how much, how much. Better or worse are they than the room? Yeah. Oh wait, three point nine, three point eight, three point seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it should be on the bottom one hundred. Uh, because uh, the one hundred worst movie has a three point nine out of ten, and that's the Madonna film swept away. Uh, Me You Madness currently has a 3.6. So this, so this is the type of film that we will be watching. Okay. The 20 if it's on that, if it's on that list, list then this viewing counts. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised that the remake of Black Christmas is on there. It's not that bad. Yeah. Wait a second! You mean to tell me that the remake of Black Christmas is number seventy-seven, but Batman and Robin is number seventy-eight? Oh, you mean to tell me you. that the remake of Black Christmas is worse than Batman and Robin? What? Batman and okay. Robin is a beautiful, misunderstood movie. I, we all know your feelings about Batman and Robin, Bunny. It makes me smell the rug and my toy cars. It makes me smell my coloring book. Ugh, fucking... And George Clooney's got a nice ass. What can I say? I still... I still say that Joel Schumacher's coffin should have had nipples on it. Still, I still believe that. But that's next week. A double feature, Goodfellas, and a Steve Martin comedy. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited about this. And then after that, we we, we do nothing but bottoming. So I'm excited about next week. Next week, we will also be talking about uh, things to do in Kent, Ohio. We're going to be taking a look at cops and uh, the famous author who wrote a werewolf novel that uh, will never be released. So that's next week. But now that I'm looking back fondly at the memories of this week, uh, Neil Breen, Miskel Spillman, Greg Pence, Mitchell's Corn Palace in South Dakota. I got to say, I think this has been a uh, pretty good episode of the podcast, if I do say so myself. And damned educational, too. 
And educational, yes. Yeah. Very educational. Yeah. This has been a good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, I, I'm glad that you said that. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to step on your toes because I feel like you're the person who makes that distinction and not me. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Eleanor and Maxwell and Natasha and everybody else in this house. I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. I was worried you'd run into that. And you do truffles to poop it. And you Superman's great time to clean out the closet. Nice. Skitty pop do wow. Cut and print. Cut and print.